Thanks. Welcome to Swerve South. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another edition of Swerve South. I'm Jamie Harker. I'm the, uh, the director of the Sarah Ice Center for Women and Gender Studies at the University of Mississippi. And today we have the special privilege of two of my favorite people come to talk to us about their various endeavors in the world. We have Beth Ann Fenley, who is a professor of English at the University of Mississippi and the former poet laureate of the state of Mississippi. I have to mention that, being honored to have a colleague who was also in that role. And Kate Leland, who is a proud graduate of creative writing in the MFA program at the University of Mississippi and is now an adjunct instructor in creative writing at Illinois Wesleyan University. Kate and Bethann, welcome to Swerve South. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. It is such a pleasure to have you. There's so much we could talk about with your interests and your accolades and your achievements. We're going to focus more specifically today on Glitterary, which was your brainchild and perhaps love child, and talk about where we've been and where we're going. Uh, but first, I just wanted to give a chance for those who may not have had the pleasure of meeting you who are listening to tell us just a little bit about yourselves, you know, how you got interested in writing and ended up at the University of Mississippi. A little bit of background. We'll start with Beth Ann and then Kate, if that's okay. Sure thing, Jamie. Um, well, I'm originally from Chicago and um, I got my MFA in poetry at the University of Arkansas and I met my honey there the first day. And after we graduated, we got married and I was teaching at a little liberal arts school in Illinois when my husband, Tommy, got offered the John and Renee Grisham Writer in Residence for the year. So it was just supposed to be for an academic year. And um, we had our first little baby, five weeks old, and we moved down here and um, took one look at this town. And I said, this is home. So um, it was a, a moment where, you know, I realized I had found the place where I wanted to be. I, I fell in love with Mississippi and with Oxford. So we were able to stay and I've been here ever since um, teaching at the university, both undergraduate and graduate classes, literature and creative writing. And I uh, have published six books, three of poetry and two of nonfiction and a novel that I co-wrote with my husband. Yes, it's so delighted to have you here. You had been here, I think, the year before I was hired, and I just loved having you as a role model and someone to introduce me around and see the town. And I also fell in love with Oxford on my very first visit, so we have that in common. Kate, tell us about you. Yeah, um, I grew up in Austin, Texas, um, and I uh, got my bachelor's degree at Hendricks College in Conway, Arkansas. Um, that's where I started writing poetry. Um, I took a couple years off in between and I worked as an associate editor with Sibling Rivalry Press. Um, in 2018, um, I started my MFA program at the University of Mississippi, um, obviously to come study with Beth Ann. And um, I finished that degree in three years um, and uh, I'm an adjunct. Excellent. We miss you, but it's lovely to see you here today. So, so much we could talk about, but just in the interest of time, tell me how this fabulous idea of glitterary got started. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, well, you know, like most good things in life, it started over a cocktail. Um, and Kate and I, we were meeting for a cocktail. Um, I, I remember it was a, was it a smoky tequila margarita, Kate? Is that what we were drinking? Yes. 
I think it okay. was, yes, it was some kind of margarita. I think jalapeno, maybe. Jalapeno margarita, yes. I do feel like somehow that should be the sponsor of Glitterary. If, if anyone could work that Absolutely. out, that would be, okay, all right, let's get on that. Um, yeah, so we were talking about her work and we were chatting about life and we we're just chatting about the program and Kate and I were remarking on how much really interesting work is being done by our graduate students in the field of queer studies. So many interesting writers coming from queer backgrounds or researching queer writers or just doing stuff, you know, that is kind of crossing boundaries and transgressing and really lively, energetic work. And I said, you know, we should celebrate that. And Kate said, like, we should have a party. And I said, yeah, we should have a big queer party. And she said, we should have a beer quick big queer literary festival party. And then we just looked at each other and locked eyes. And I was like, oh no, because we toasted with our drinks. And then I thought, what have I gotten myself into? What have I promised? Like, oh, you know, it was October, I think, right, Kate? Was it October? And we decided we would do it that spring, which, you know, in the wheels of academia grind very slowly. So that that was the first instance of insanity of many. But Kate immediately had the good idea to rope in the ISM Center, of which I am a proud affiliate as a member of the English department. It is my pleasure to be an affiliate of the ISM Center and um, think about women and gender studies in my classes and with my students. And um, so then things got rolling when we started to lean into the resources and good help of the folks over at ISM. Absolutely. I mean, we really, partnering with the ISM Center was pretty much our immediate move when we decided that we were really going to try to do this thing. Um, because we knew that while we had the connections to meet these writers, we had no idea how to run a literary festival or really how to run a festival of any kind. Um, so partnering with the ISM Center was that immediate first move. And then we started looking into every grant we could possibly get for that. Um, so much of which was was Beth Ann's um, know-how in that area. It's such a brilliant idea. It was one of those ideas we said, why did we not do this before? It's obvious is what we should have been doing all along. So kudos to you for bringing that up. And I also like the specificity, this must be the poet's mind, of exactly which drink you were drinking when you had the idea, because <laughs> it might be important. If you want inspiration, I think we need to know the details. And I'm going to be having you order me a jalapeno margarita the next time I need a big idea. So just just a warning in there. That's outstanding. No, we, we could not be happier to be working with y'all on this. As you know, the Queer South is one of my great loves, um, not only as a queer Southerner, adopted but still queer southern and as a scholar and so like to talk about this to celebrate it to get people excited about it it's important and I, I get really tired of these old narratives about what the south is and isn't and and imagining what isn't here because anyone who has met a queer southerner knows that the queer south is delightful hilarious resourceful talented and just inspiring in every way i'm proud to be an adopted member of the tribe um, and so to have this idea, I was like, well, this is the best idea ever. So thank you. Uh, keep drinking, keep dreaming, and we'll keep coming up with these ideas. Um, I like it. <laughs> this could be our next tagline, literary, keep drinking, keep dreaming. All right. I see a t-shirt idea. Cool. All right. So we had this idea. We had the initial programming. We were so excited. We put together the program. Talk through the kind of ups and downs of planning and what happened with that first literary conference, because it was a bit of an odyssey as I remember. Yeah, I think we planned that first festival for almost a year. Um, when we originally came to Jamie, we were like, yeah, let's do this this spring. And I think Jamie maybe told us that that was crazy. Um, so we pushed it into 2020 
and we had the whole festival planned. We had this stellar lineup of people. And then as I remember it, I think right around spring break, we started hearing these rumblings and created this text chain where we were like, I think maybe something's happening. And we started having people at the festival email us and be like, what's going to happen? Are y'all going to do this? Um, and then we all got on one big group uh, group phone call. I think Beth Ann, I think you were maybe in an airport. I think maybe I was in Arkansas for spring break and we were like, I think we have to move this thing online. Um, so we got back to town, started moving our meetings into Zoom and um, we realized that we were gonna make Glittery 2020 a soft launch. We still wanted to celebrate what we had. Wait, is that right? Or was it 2021 that was the soft launch? No, 2021 was a soft launch. Okay, so I messed that up. So it was 20, the following And um, we decided, okay, we'll push it off for a year. So that was our initial yes, we did. really difficult moment. But then I got my head around it, geared up for the second year, and then it happened again. You know, more virus nonsense and more craziness. So like everyone else, you know, the most tired verb of 2021, we had to pivot and went online with a soft launch. We did, I mean, and there were some really great things about it, about being online. I hate technology, even though I'm doing this podcast because I love Jamie, but I'm not a big technology person. I like to be with people. I like to be drinking margaritas with people, not looking at them through a computer screen. However, I will say we got to have people register from all over the world. And in fact, our keynote was Dorothy Allison and we had a watch party. So local folk could come sit six feet away from each other with masks on outside in the Grove, which was actually, frankly, pretty cool and watch Dorothy Allison be beamed in from a screen in California. And we saw where the registrants were coming from. And one was from Tasmania. I mean, that that's pretty cool. That's right. I remember that we had hundreds, I think, that were were live streaming. And I think I just blocked out the fact that we planned this whole festival twice. I think I have literally had to black out the pain of that experience. Yeah, it was awful. You know, yeah. I remember that text chain and we were, you know, I was visiting my father in Utah because it was spring break and that was just when it was all rumbling and you were just coming back from a conference, I think. And we were, and I was saying, I don't know where we are. Let's wait and see. But in some ways that decision kind of was made for us because people were getting so anxious. I mean, we came back from spring break and the whole university went remote. So we weren't allowed to have an event, even if we'd wanted to that year. I mean, everything was shut down. I wasn't even allowed on campus. I remember coming to the parking lot to try to upload my PowerPoints because it was so slow back home. I couldn't get my lectures to load properly. I mean, it was that kind of time. So we thought, oh, surely everything will be fine in a year, right? Right? No. <laughs> we at that point we couldn't fathom the idea that we wouldn't be allowed to have the festival again in the next year and even though we had so many vaccinated participants and i think all three of us were already vaccinated by that point um it just made the most sense to go go virtual this year but now finally 2022 here we are. We've planned yeah. this festival three I feel like you're jinxing now. us. Now. Really good. Yeah. Right. Seriously, wait a minute. Knock on, I'm knocking on wood in my office. Yeah, okay, I right. take it back. Knock on I wood. Back. Yeah, no, I told... Because it is. We, we keep having these waves, right? Yeah, I told Jamie that if we need to cancel this year, she can just come give me the news at my plot in the cemetery next to Faulkner because I, I won't be around to help plan it anymore. 
But yeah, we are back on track. I'm worried you would overreact, Bethan. So I'm glad I was me, me, little me. Yeah, we are back on track. We are excited. We have several amazing panels, and anyone who wanted to check them out actually could go to the glitteryfestival.com website and see. We've got uh, the keynote is going to be amazing. We have um, Torin A. Greathouse and Jericho Brown. And um, I think that it's going to be a really special day. And uh, one of the things I really love about the festival, to go back, Jamie, a couple of minutes ago, you're talking about, you know, finding a lot of um, people resistant to the different ways of being queer in the South. And like another boundary we came across is people resistant to anything sliding between creative work and critical work. And that, you know, in academia, it seems that there's a lot of really rigid boundaries and one works in one area and one works in another area. And, you know, you and I have always liked the ability to appreciate both kinds of work. And, um, you know, talking with Kate early on, that was part of the plan is we would have panels that would be some creative writers and some critics and a big exchange of ideas and that kind of um, really fruitful flourishing that can happen when people are allowed to, um, you know, exchange freely. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've always appreciated about you, Beth, and we always love to kind of plan stuff together. I've always loved to go to creative writing readings. Um, but you came to my reading when the one time I got to speak at Square Books with the Lesbian South, which I was so flattered that you came because there is often this divide of like, oh, our work is totally separate. But we're both passionate about literature and about the South and about these new configurations. And there's so much we can learn when we start to build these cross sections. So I'm just delighted at the opportunities to go. Um, we have learned a lot. We learned a lot as an office about the technical stuff. We we generally had good luck in our first round, but the transition from the online to the watch party, I can tell you from behind the scenes, was a bit of a nightmare trying to get everything to work. And we actually had to make everyone watch on their phones at a certain point because we couldn't get our technology to work. It was supposed to be public. Um, I'm sure that's my, like, I'm still traumatized from that moment of spending yeah. like an hour, like trying to get all that to work. Um, so we're the in person means we don't have to depend on the screen now and making sure someone knows how to log on in California to get to see us. So knock on wood, we'll be able to have people here in person. Um, shall we talk a little bit about some of the other topics and maybe some of the writers that we're doing this from memory. So there's more, please go check out the website for more detail, but any of the topics or specifics that we want to highlight here while we have people. Well, there's a whole bunch of really cool panels. There's um, two morning panels that are going to involve some of our own students, queer ecology and asexuality studies that I think are going to be amazing. And then we have, I think, four afternoon panels, um, writing the queer body, getting queer words into the world. And that will be both from the point of view of the writer, the publisher, books or owners, publicists. I think that's going to be really interesting queer intersections. So really looking at um, different areas of overlapping with queer studies and, and then uh, the all important happy hour followed by the keynote readings. It, I can't be more excited about the people who are coming. Um, I can't mention them all, but two I'll mention is because this was a, a recent kind of confirmation. Angela Chen, whose book Ace has gotten these great uh, tractions and, and accolades is going to come and give the inaugural Ace studies lecture at the University of Mississippi on that Thursday and then join a panel the next day with some of our students and others to talk about it. So that's gonna be incredible. Um, Bear Bergman, who is a trans writer, publisher, um, also does kind of like Ask Bear, self-help columns, all kinds of cool stuff is gonna come and be on the intersections panel. Um, and we have just amazing folks coming in. And I'm so excited to get to chair the Getting Queer Words into the World panel because there's all these great publishers 
and other folks we can talk to about their work. Um, and then of course, to have a Pulitzer Prize winning poet to cap it all off is really the icing on the cake. We also, I want to mention, so I don't forget, this is also part of Oxford's Pride Week. So we have been building a celebration in Oxford. You know, there was one back in the 90s, but in 2016, we relaunched the parade and we've been adding events. Uh, so it's become a full week of celebration. Um, and I'm really proud of this. And I'm really proud of the Oxford community for this. It is unusual for a town of this size to have a pride celebration, much less a fabulous pride celebration like this. We have everything from Labrador graduation, a queer inclusive dance party called Code Pink run by some alums who live here in town. Uh, we're gonna have the parade. We're gonna have an after kind of fair on campus. There's gonna be a big drag show uh, down on the square that evening. Um, and Glittery is going to be the Friday before the parade. So participants who come can come and stay for the whole celebration. And I know Bear is super excited to come because I first met Bear because he interviewed me about my bookstore uh, in Water Valley, Violet Valley Bookstore. And he's going to come down to the bookstore in the morning before the parade and get to see that. And I'm trying to persuade him to ride in the parade. We have this classic car group from Memphis with these beautiful convertibles. And I think anyone who comes who wants to ride in the parade, we can find some wheels for him. So we could have a big time with that as well. So this is going to be a big celebration. I hope to show you know what we're building the kind of inclusive community we're in and spaces for all the people to come and join us and make the Queer South even more fabulous. Absolutely, Jamie. And I think that, Jamie, I think you even, you know, you talked about how vibrant our community is and how exciting it is in a town our size. But I think, you know, also a town where we are in the world, right? Um, when we have, you know, when we started dreaming of this festival, I think there were parts of it that felt crazy to place it in Oxford, Mississippi, as opposed to maybe even one of the more liberal hubs in the queer South, uh, somewhere like Atlanta or um, Austin, where I grew up. Um, part of it seemed insane that we were like, we want to bring all of these queer writers here to the deep, true South. But when I was looking at MFA programs and I was meeting current students, truly, this was the queerest program that I looked at. Um, the student body was already so queer. The Sarah Eisen Center obviously had such a tight connection with the English department. Um, the moment I was here, it felt like it felt like home. And I think that one of the really wonderful things Glittery has uh, the ability to do, especially in partnering with uh, the Pride Festival, which truly, in my experience, even in the pouring rain, has been an absolute treat, um, is bringing people in to see to see what Pride looks like in a small conservative Southern place. Yes, I, I have to say, you know, I talk to people from big cities and there's been a kind of a backlash against prides in some cities for being too corporate, for being too mainstream, for kind of having all these corporate sponsors and not being authentic. Um, and, you know, I love all kinds of pride parades. I've been to the New York pride parade where you've got all the sponsored semis with the float. So they're all great. But what I will say about Oxford is, this is so new for so many of the participants, especially the students, that it has that kind of initial purity. They're so excited. They're so amazed that they're able to be who they are in a place where they didn't imagine they could be. Um, and so I remember that first year. I'm going to tear up telling you about it. But, you know, there was a lot of anxiety of what was going to happen. You know, what, we heard there were some protesters. There was a lot of concern. Uh, Beth Ann showed up in her specially ordered pride tights, which I think gave us the right juju going into this. So thanks for that, Beth Ann. And I believe, <laughs> I think you had this 
all about the fashion, That's y'all. Exactly. I have long been an admirer of Beth Ann Benley's performative dressing. I want to say that for the record. When I first moved here, we had this party and Beth Ann showed up in a sunflower dress, eight months pregnant, with sunflowers on the dress, holding a sunflower. And I may have been the only person who appreciated what you had just created in performance art. Thank you. I think I burst into blossom that night for you. Yes. Fabulous. Wait, I have an important question. Bethann, are you going to wear the sparkle dots to the festival this year? You know, anything could happen. I really think people, if they're on the fence about coming to Glittery, here's the lure. Like, if you, I'm not telling you what I'm going to wear. You're going to have to show up and see for yourselves. Fair enough. But we know it's going to be epic. That's what we know. Yes. And listen, for all of us. But no, it's true. I mean, this is the thing that, you know, people always say, oh, you can't, since I moved here, it's different in the South. You can't do that here. That's not how they are. But here's the thing. We're everywhere. There is a queer community that has always been here that is an essential part of what makes Oxford great, what makes Mississippi great. Um, and we should be celebrating it because it's amazing. And when you have those opportunities to say, look who's here and how great they are. Look at this town and what we have. I'm, I couldn't be prouder because that first year, half of the people who marched were allies, right? We couldn't, in a small town, we couldn't have done it because there wasn't the critical mass like you have in a city. It was the people who said, yes, we love you, we embrace you, and we're here for you that made that possible. It was the people who showed up on the square with their children to say, this is what our community stands for and we're here for you, that make it possible. We couldn't do it without all of us together building in. And you know, we turned that corner that first year and we heard this roar. We didn't know what it meant at first, but it was all the people cheering, right? There was a little band playing when the Saints come marching in in front of Proud Larry's. The five protesters who showed up were quickly swarmed in front by all the people trying to catch the beads we were throwing. It was like Mardi Gras. Like it was, they were up on the top shelf, like throwing stuff. It was like Mardi Gras. People were so excited by it. Um, and that's how that festival is. It's important to claim that space and to celebrate that space. This is not a place for abjection. We are not tragic. We are, like, we are fighters who have allies who are ready to party and fight back with us. And we're so delighted for it. That's the, I guess, the nuance I wish people could have about the queer South. Of course, there are political laws, situations, rhetoric that can make it difficult to be here. Of course, there are things about it that are not as inclusive as in some cities, but there is also this beating heart of an amazing community that is decided we are going to claim our space. This is our South. This is our place. And it has spawned so many, just nurtured beautiful writers, artists, thinkers. It continues to inspire us. And we want people to come and see that part too to come and join us and resist with us and create that beautiful space that makes space for everyone. Yeah, that was, couldn't have said it better myself. So excited about pride. I'm so excited about glittery. Um, we don't know, we haven't, we haven't talked about the future because we're just trying to get through this one without collapsing, but I would love for this to be a regular feature of our life here in Oxford. We'll get through this next round and, and see if we can still sit up after that and talk about it, but it's going to be amazing. So. For those of you who are listening, this is kind of set to come out as a preview for Glittery and Pride. We'd love to have you in our town. We'd love to have you at the conference. Come register, uh, shoot us an email and let us know and, and we'll keep celebrating the beautiful queer South that we live in. Oh, Jamie, we didn't say the date, did we? Well, that's not helpful. All right, what's the date? We also didn't say that it's free. Yes, it is free, completely free. Friday, April 29th. Friday, April 29th, free to come 
free to participate. We have a whole link of things. We'd love to have you here. Uh, any alums from the University of Mississippi come back and see your fabulous town all cleared up the way it should always have been. Um, and for the rest of you, come check it out. It's going to be amazing. Uh, last words, Kate and Beth Ann. No, just thank you so much. Um, and thank you, you know, for your hard work with all of this and, uh, you know, for making a, a place for, for allies to come to the party as well. Yeah, thank you. Listen, we could not do it without y'all. We're delighted to have you here. I can't wait for this. Kudos to you for the idea. Uh, and let's keep this party going. Okay. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Uh, we'll catch you next time on Source South. Thank you.